For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, thanks as always for the download, for the subscription, for the stream. However you are consuming Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, I thank you for consuming said podcast. And if you want it to continue, if you want it to continue at the rate that it is, I ask you to do me a favor. Look, you guys helped construct the Not Sam Studio that we do this podcast out of. If we want to keep production value high, if we want to keep the guests coming in, then please do your part. Support the podcast by making sure, first and foremost, that you subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, however you get this show, make sure that you're subscribed so that new episodes and bonus episodes are sent directly to you each and every time they come out and Go on iTunes, leave us a review, a five-star rating. All that stuff helps more than you know over on iTunes, and it's free. So why wouldn't you do it? Am I right? I am right. And if you want to see me be right some more, or at least hear me, stay tuned because Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast starts right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. This is it. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a big show. It's going to be a fun one. A fun one this week because there's a lot to go over, a lot to talk about, people to talk to. You're going to just love it. I appreciate all you for being here. We are live, as always, from the Not Sam Studios, and boy, oh boy. Hey, first and foremost, thank you all. I got uh, more feedback than I could have possibly imagined on the bonus episode that I put out uh, over Thanksgiving weekend on Black Friday. I posted a bonus episode where I interviewed Bill McKenna from Mattel and really just focused on the wrestling figure stuff, and I'm aware that there's a lot of us that are big wrestling fans that might not be fans of action figures and memorabilia and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not in that category. Anybody that's seen any of the videos, you know, you can only, you're only getting a taste of all the wrestling memorabilia and whatnot that I have in this house of mine. But uh, I'm, I'm aware that some of you just like to tune in on Monday nights, on Tuesday nights, to, to access to watch New Japan, whatever you want, Thursdays to watch Impact. Some of you just like watching the show. You might not have T-shirts and posters and toys and belts and all that championships, I should say. So, you know, you never know. So I posted my interview with Bill McKenna from Mattel, who is one of the head designers on all the WWE toys that they do. And so many of you, I heard from so many of you that like the interview, that want to hear more. So we are definitely going to be doing more figure-focused stuff as the weeks and months and years progress here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and they will all drop as bonus episodes. I won't be uh, doing figure stuff specifically on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, but every so often I will drop a bonus figure-centric episode because it's something I'm passionate about. Uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you get these episodes when they come out uh, because I think it's just a cool thing, and I think it's a fun thing for all of us to talk about, and it really is full circle for me 
because being a 13-year-old with AOL, having a wrestling figure newsletter to come full circle, what, like 20 years later, and be doing this is kind of, uh, it's really, really an amazing thing whenever I stop and think about it. So I really appreciate you guys making that happen and all the people that uh, said that they really enjoyed the show and, and for Bill McKenna for doing it and, and all you guys reaching out to Bill as well. So it was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun today breaking down uh, everything that's going on. Of course, we'll talk about everything that went on Raw and SmackDown. A little bit of a build towards Clash of the Champions, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about Starcade because Starcade was big this week in the sense that most of us didn't get to see it, just saw the clips on the, on the social media platforms. Uh, I also want to talk about what's going on with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and taking steps closer to getting 10,000 people to watch them wrestle live, which is just such a huge, huge thing for an independent show to do. I Look, at th- there are shows that WWE does that don't have 10,000 people in the audience. So the idea that in 2017, 2018, an independent wrestling show could get 10,000 people in an arena is really a great accomplishment. We'll talk about that and, and how it looks like that's all going to happen. If you remember uh, months ago when Cody Rhodes was on the podcast, that was right when that topic was first coming up and we, we discussed it. So there's new news on that. But before we get to any of that, as is tradition here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, we're going to start with the interview. Yes, X-Pac is our guest this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, one of my favorite, absolute favorite guests to have on any show, whether it's the show I'm doing on Sirius XM, whether it's the wrestling podcast, whether it's anything. X-Pac is one of my favorite people to talk to. Just a wealth of information, a guy that's seen just about everything there is to see in the last 25 years of pro wrestling, and a guy who's as honest as you will ever find anybody. I mean, almost to a fault. There is nothing about Sean Waltman uh, that is a show, that is fiction, that is anything. He owns himself more than any other person I know. Uh, And that's why I wanted to talk to him about uh, what's going on uh, in the world of wrestling right now, but also what's going on with him in the world of wrestling right now, as well as uh, uh, some of the stuff in his past. Always good stories with X-Pac. Always a good time. If you remember... We talked to X-Pac not, not too, too long ago, the last time, um, when he was talking about the uh, uh, charges, when he, when he, when he no-showed that event and he ended up in jail. We'll get, because I, I feel like there wasn't a lot of follow-up on that from mainstream news. A lot of mainstream news reported that it happened to him, that he was charged and that he'd spent the weekend in jail, but not a lot of people talked about the outcome of the case, probably because it was a positive outcome for him. But we'll talk about all that and more this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Here he is, the man himself, the one, two, three kid, six Pac, X Pac. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, back once again on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, my old pal and yours at this point, X Pac is on the phone. X Pac, what's going on, man? Oh, Sam, how are you, man? I just got finished doing my show. I, and, uh, you know, I was just telling you off air that, uh, before we started recording, I just got back from Australia yesterday and uh, had an amazing time over there, man. It's, it's incredible. It seemed like it. I was looking at the uh, photos. Who are you over there with? Like, Joey? Jeez, did you, did you see the card? Well, I saw jo- Joey Ryan was on it. Austin Aries was on it. 
Yeah, Ricochet, Zack Sabre oh Jr., God. Brian Cage. The Headbangers were there. That's awesome that the uh, Headbangers were there, right? too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it was uh, – the, 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 the wrestling fans in Australia were, were – uh, they were treated to a hell of a show every night, man. Now, are they yeah. were they more like like could you tell that the people in Australia are even more excited about this because most of those guys do not come to Australia all that often? Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Uh, you pretty much summed it up. And more people are starting to come now because uh, you know, like House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, he's brought he's brought House of Hardcore over there a few times. Uh, so they're starting to get used to some good good wrestling other than WWE, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, I'm so happy that I decided to go, Sam, because my trip over there uh, 10 years ago, uh, it, there were some things about that trip that that kind of turned, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth. What happened so, on, on the, 10 years ago? Oh, just, uh, just to end, like, one of the, one of the, uh, the the last part of my of my tour over there ten years ago wasn't wasn't uh, what I hoped it would be as far as you know the the promotion and just just you know yeah. I don't want to get into that part it just wasn't it wasn't you know wasn't what uh, what I would have liked to have had as a as a parting memory of Australia so uh, and I get really worked up Sam I think you probably noticed that. Uh, I don't like long flights. I don't like flights right. in general. Right. And uh, uh, so the 15-hour flight was something that actually, like, even two weeks prior to, to going over there, I started, I was, like, you know, being irritable and kind of grouchy. And, you know, I started noticing that, you know. Really? So, like, is it, like, an anxiety thing? Like, you or you just start to get tense because yeah. you realize that this thing is coming and you hate it so much? Yeah, which isn't which isn't definitely a form of anxiety, yeah. and uh, you know, and and really a lot of it was me just getting myself worked up because the flight uh, wasn't that bad. Well, what'd you do on it? Like, how did you? Well. I think a lot of people don't fly well. How did you handle fifteen hours as a guy that doesn't do that? Uh, I just bunch of bunch of edibles. I just took them before. <laughs> I went through security <laughs> <laughs> yeah you learn your lesson this time you took them right before yeah. you went through security <laughs> so that's all it was you just did edibles and like and then you could yeah. just chill out and sleep for some of it and watch a movie or whatever yeah yeah i was and it was fine I, it was like me and the, the middle seat empty middle seat and then joey ryan in the window oh that's cool yeah and he didn't move the whole time i was like Damn, man! Like, don't you have to piss or he, anything like that? He didn't move the entire flight. No, man, he didn't get up once. He really does have a magic yeah. penis, doesn't he? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing. <laughs> I teamed with Joey. I teamed with Joey over there. We had we had a six man with another guy that was that was really good. Um, so when you so we did the. We did the suck it, touch it, suck it, touch it, suck it, touch it thing <laughs> with their opponent. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you get ready for something like that? Because depending on what show you're doing, like you could do a show like that where it's just chock full of like super sort of I don't know young active guys that just kind of you know tear themselves apart every single show, and guys who have a reputation for for a pretty like heavy was, work like, rate, like I was when I was at their stage in my career exactly right exactly right and guys that probably you know grew up or once they got in the business were watching a bunch of lightning kid tapes to kind of get you know for for inspiration and stuff like that 
there's those shows, and then there's also the shows that are just like nostalgia shows that are probably a little easier. When you realize you're on the show, you're teaming with Joey Ryan, Ricochet's also on the show, you know, all these guys are on the show. Yeah. Do you realize you're going to have to bring an entirely new bag of tricks? No. No, I, I just, I add a couple that were already in my bag. I just don't break them out all the time. Gotcha. You know? These are the break and in case of emergency? I, yeah, well, and the thing is, is uh, Sam, man, my, uh, my feet still work really good when it comes to kicking. And it, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 my jump spin in the corner, I don't do as much anymore, but the other ones, man, they're right on the money. So, uh, that's like the, you know, it's, I get a couple of, uh, really solid spin kicks and, you know, some of my other, uh, signature stuff and the people are really happy. And isn't it great you know? how popular and, and here's, here's the thing, Sam, yeah. I'm not going to go out there and, 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 uh, match athleticism with any of those guys. Right. And I'm not even trying, you know, and the people don't want to really see me do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing well, they worse than want to see me do it, but they're not expecting it. They're well, not, yeah. yeah. And it's also like people, I think people are aware of like what your skill set is and why you're coming to see X-Pac on a yeah. show. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's gotta be yeah, nice for everyone. you. Like as in style as kicks are in wrestling right now, like that's gotta be a cool thing because that's something that you do really well. And you can go kick for kick with people um, and, and kicks weren't always like when you were doing them, when you were younger, you know, in mainstream wrestling kicks were not a thing like that. Well, no, because no one knew how to do them. No one knew how to incorporate them properly in, into wrestling to make them like there, there's been a lot of really good martial artists that have come into wrestling. And then when they try to throw like their, when they try to throw kicks and they just don't know how to do it properly in, in the context of a wrestling match. Or, oh, I see. You know? Yeah, you kind yeah. of have to be well versed in both. Seen it, but a lot of times they look terrible. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because they're just trying to squeeze it's, it's, in this thing that's a t it's a different skill set. It doesn't make any sense to do it right now. The guy yeah. wasn't ready to take it in the right way. Yeah, and and then martial arts like like a lot of the martial arts you you train you train in. You know, uh, when you're doing forms or when you're sparring, you're taught to do it with like controlled kicks, and and so then you know when a guy a lot of times a guy gets in the ring. And, uh, you know, he's perp. You can tell he's missing, like purposely missing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, extending, extending the leg before, you know, he makes contact and things like that, that just, uh, when you're practicing like a lot, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at, Sam. Mm -hmm. is a lot of guys, they throw their kicks, like they're practicing in the matches. Right. Does that make any sense? It makes a perfect sense because they don't, they, they, they are trying not to make full contact, but then the audience yeah. can see that they're clearly like any any a, a novice can see the difference between a real kick and a practice kick. Yeah. So it's not a wrestling so, kick. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So is that why? And I, and I don't. I've never been that guy that smacks the side of the leg. Like that's the big in vogue thing to do. I never thought my kicks needed an extra little slap on the leg. You never do it at all. Never. I've never done it in my life. So then, if, if people are now used to that sound, right? Like that. Like. Like they're used to like that's what a kick sounds like in wrestling. Yes. So is there yeah. is there do you worry that like the crowd isn't going to react properly to your kicks because that slapping sound oh, that they're no, used to? No, it still makes that sound. It just doesn't come from me slapping my leg. Does it come from foot coming in contact with face? Usually, <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the hand. Because yeah, well, I'm not going to give all my trade secrets away because I don't want to spoil the show for everyone when right. they're watching. Oh, that's great. So like they hear the sound and they're looking at you and they're going. He's not slapping his thigh. I know all the tricks. 
He's not slapping yeah. his thigh. He must be really kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And then when the guy gets up and his nose is bleeding, then you probably wonder how that <laughs> happens too, right? Yeah. yeah. What's the trick there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so do you, uh, uh, do you, is it, so is that what you concentrate on? Like when you, when you pull out, cause I would imagine on like a show where maybe it's not so crucial that your work rate is like crazy. It's just kind of one of those, uh, uh, kind of uh, retro shows or whatever. You can probably get away with, you know, a Bronco buster and an X factor and suck it. And you can kind of be done for the night. Right. Well, I always try to do the same. Like I bring it, I try, I'd like to think that I bring it in those situations as much as I do in the, in the say like the Australia situation. Uh Uh, But you know, here's, there, you know, there are variables like such as how hot the crowd is, right, and and who I'm in the ring with, right. And sometimes you don't know, you know, you don't know who you're going to be in there with, and you know, on a lot of independent shows, there's guys with with you know just a bit of experience, and not their fault, but you know, you kind of got to work accordingly. So is the uh, is the is the wrestling martial arts arts connection how you became friends with Steve Blackman? Because I, I remember it was like a couple years ago you know, we were doing a show or something together and we were talking about you rooming with Steve Blackman years ago. And like, it was the first time I had ever heard that you guys were even cool. Like not that you weren't cool, but that you guys were, right. were friends like that. No, what, here's what it was, was, uh, when I went to LA, you know, uh-huh. and it was around the same time I got together with, with Joni uh-huh. and, uh, and Steve would, and so it was, when I saw Joni again, Steve was there too, like at, at, at the Noki Dojo. Oh. And, you know, he was in town and he was going to be staying there. And I had this apartment. And so I'm like, Steve, I got two bedrooms, man. You take one of them. And so uh, Steve lived there. Oh, and he would I come see. In and out of t- he would come in and out of town. But he just know? always had a place yeah. to stay. That's cool. Yeah. And I kept that place, even though I was with Joni and I lived with her because obviously you know, the way things were, I, I needed a place to stay every couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. It was, uh, 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 yeah, not, yeah. not, it was, it was unpredictable. Exactly. <laughs> that was know. the thing. Um, so yeah, I was looking at photos uh, of the Australia tour and not only was it like, wow, look at all the people were there, but dude, you look like you're in amazing shape. Like, I don't remember you, especially the muscle mass that looks like it's on you now. I don't even remember you having that kind of muscle mass on you you know, when you were in your WWE days? Oh, no, I did, for sure. I just wasn't, and I, I just didn't know how to, uh, nutrition-wise, diet-wise, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, I see. You so know? you had, this, you had yeah. the muscle, but it was covered up with, like... A little bit of, little bit of baby fat. Sure, or, gotcha, you know, just, gotcha. And, and even, even that, no, not even that so much as just, I, I'm, I'm much leaner now. Right. You know, it just looks different. And I'm and I'm I weigh a lot less, you know, than I did at, at the, my peak weight. So, you know, I'm under 200 right now, and, and that's a good spot. So you're a legit you're a, you're a legit cruiserweight. Yeah, but so are a lot of people that say they're over 200 pounds. <laughs> it's know? not that. I, I mean, you know, kind of, that used to be the thing that you know you had to make up the bullshit weight because you wanted to, like it had to be something over 200. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, no, I remember growing up, like, when you would watch the show, if anybody got introduced as being under 200 pounds, like, as a kid, I was conditioned to be like, what's he even doing in the ring? He's not going to be... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How's he even in there? Yeah, he has no business. He's going to get killed. Right. Um, Yeah. 
do you get after after what happened when you were supposed to be? I think when you got uh, arrested, you're going to England, right? Yeah. Do you get worried at all when you're going on cross country flights like that? Was there any like uh, leftover trauma? Even though that all ended exactly as it should have ended, and we talked about that. Um, do you still like when you're going into an airport and it's a cross country thing and it's like, Oh shit, the last time I did this, blah, blah, blah. Like, does that pop up in your head? I do. I, I, I trust me. Yeah, it does. Especially, yeah, especially because like, and we've talked about this before, the press that surrounded you getting in trouble was big. The press that surrounded you being cleared of everything was like, you know, a breadcrumb compared to all that. So you think did it, did it, is that is that how how you perceived it? That's how I took it, and maybe I was sensitive to it because like I knew you and knew that like yeah. you know that I, I like I felt like people were were trying to vilify you for things that you had done in the past, and yeah, I, I've always felt that the fact that like you're honest, like brutally honest about your entire life and kind of own everything more than any other probably more than any other person I know, let alone any other person in the business. I don't like when that stuff comes back to bite people because the like the most you can ask for somebody is for them to be honest. And when you see a person who has been honest kind of get bitten by that and have that information used against them, it bothers me. So, yeah. so when you were cleared, I kind of wanted, you know, it to be shouted from the rooftops. Like, hey, remember this thing that you all were talking about? This is the outcome here. And so that's why I felt like I definitely did not feel like the 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 happy ending, the, not even the happy ending, the justified ending, matched. Yeah, because there was no winners in that situation. I didn't finally win win a prize. Like, right. You know. Right. Nobody gave all the money back that I lost because of that, or my you know damage to my, uh, uh, you know, somewhat successfully repaired reputation. Exactly. So, you, you just got to not go to jail for not doing meth. Like that that was your yeah, prize. Yeah, I remember when I when I sent, you know, when uh when the word came out that I I really didn't do it. I remember getting a uh a text from Hunter from Triple H going congratulations. I'm like well, for like congratulations on not being a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, dude. I'm sorry about cussing. No, don't worry about it. You you're you're totally good. Um but, yeah, yeah, you're like, it's not... really like right. Come on, I guess, but like, if that's what you got to congratulate me on, holy crap! Yeah, congratulations. Uh, you know, you didn't get railroaded. You know, like yeah. you made it through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you just kind of are like, you're in the airport, and you're like, oh my god, I I hope this doesn't yeah, happen and again. Every time I come back in now, mm -hmm. I get I get messed with. Really, still, you know, they pull me aside every time. Oh my god, yeah. does it make you? It's got to make you not want to travel. It it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And then like you know, I explain to them because they're nice. Right. They're very nice. But you're on some kind of list I, that they have to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then I explain to them what happened, and then they're, yeah, like to the, like coming back in uh, yesterday. Like I'm like, you guys know what Delgado is, and the one up looked at me like, oh yeah, that asshole. <laughs> so, so they know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were we were talking. I don't know maybe a year ago, maybe six months ago or something, and you were talking about winding down and not really wrestling anymore. And then yeah. the last time I saw you, I think it was at the No Mercy pay-per-view in L.A. That's when yeah. you were like, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I'm, I'm going to keep going. I, I can keep going, and I'm, I'm going to 
Uh, and you were, you seem really happy about it, and it made me happy. Is that is that where you're at right now? That you just figure like, yeah. you know, you're in great shape. Why not keep going? Yeah, the, it, it seems like people still want to see me. Uh, I'm not embarrassing myself in the ring, and uh, I feel good. I okay, I've got some injuries and that, but uh, you know, uh, people don't know about them when they see me. You know what I mean? They're yeah. Not, like. I, I don't come in the ring and the people are like feeling bad for me that I'm still in there. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You're not like a broken shell of what, what, yeah. what the kid used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I love it, Sam. And especially when it's stuff like, uh, this tour of Australia, you know, when you're in there with really good guys and, uh, and the, and everything just comes together. Right. The people are happy The the, you know, it's just, uh, it's when the magic happens, man. And I love still being part of the magic. Do you like that the guys that you're working with grew up watching you? Or do you wish it's like, no, we're supposed to be peers. What do you mean you grew up watching me? Um, I, 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 I dig it. Yeah. Okay, because I treat them like peers and they treat me that way. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, you know? I think it's, yeah, that's the healthy way to look at it. Yeah. Because I, I really love being around all these young guys. Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, especially on the independents, there's this new passion for wrestling. Like guys, especially like the Joey Ryans of the world, and then you look at like the Bucks and Cody Rhodes and guys like that, that like, they are figuring out how to make real money on their own, and it's only fueling their passion harder to just be like, wait, like, like these are guys who have figured out, and I think that there's a whole generation of guys that are figuring out that they can treat this thing like an art form and still make a living and do everything that they want to do. And, and it's got to be, it's got to be a feeling of fulfillment that is kind of rare in the industry. Yeah. You think I yeah. Mean, it's, it's very rare because, well, I mean, look at the thing. They can go direct to their, uh, to their fan base now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Being the elite that show. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. I, okay. You know, I was just talking about on my show today uh, um, about how those guys are trying to get a 10,000-seat venue. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, man. Come on. I love that. I do, too. They're willing to take a chance on themselves like that. I think it's amazing. I mean, I think it's amazing that, like, and and it goes back into the culture. Like, I think wrestling, when it's at its best, is a reflection of the culture at large, and I think it goes back into... You know, like what we do in podcasting, where it's like, you know what? We can go out there and just hit our audiences on our own. We can build these things on our own. People have access to tools. And I think the smartest thing that guys like the Bucks and Cody and anyone in any industry really can do is while you're young and while you're talented and while there's opportunities to make money, take money that you've made doing it and reinvest it in yourself. Like yeah. like take that – take the money that you've made wrestling – and put on this show and 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 do it your way because because you can. Takes a lot of guts to do that, but you know um, uh, those things when they pay off, they pay off big. You yeah. Know? Uh, and I, I just you know um, I like seeing okay the talent also being the promoter. Mm-hmm. I I was talking about this too. It reminds me of like the boxers that have done that, like the Oscar De La Hoyas and you know the, uh, you know the Mayweathers. Yeah. Uh, you know it just, hey man, it just you know levels the playing field even more. You know. Definitely, 
definitely. And and it and it like it gives that opportunity because I would imagine that wrestlers who are they're aware of this is what I've been looking for. This is what the other guys have been looking for. And this is what we can now we can now deliver on these. Like they know what's missing, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, and I just I I just uh, the fact that guys have uh, enough, they believe in themselves enough not to take that that call with, with that you know opportunity to go make some guaranteed money and you know be in the big the big time quote unquote big time. Yeah, you know. Uh, uh, that's that's impressive to me, you know. Yeah, you guys are you guys are doing that. How how was uh how was Austin Aries on the on the tour? Because Austin Aries is a guy who just <laughs> who just you know recently <laughs> left the land of opportunity. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, I, he's looking really good in the ring, and uh, he's still, you know, Austin Aries, uh, the uh, the one and only. Yeah, he, did you see? <laughs> He did you see the deal where uh, he and I had the tag match and the ring was a piece of shit? No, what happened? Oh yeah, no, he cut a huge promo on the on the ring. Oh my <laughs> so, god, I gotta look it up. Oh yeah, because you know we had the match, a hell of a tag match. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he got gaffed open by the ring, not you know, and so like I do my spiel afterwards. Oh, thank you guys so much for coming. Blah blah blah, and love you all. You know, uh, and then you know I'll go into the. Oh, it's an honor to be in there, you know, Austin Aries. I'm a big fan. Um, and uh, so then he grabs a – I was getting ready to take it home with the I got two words for you part, and then he grabs a mic and, like, puts me over a bit and, like, talks about wrestling. And then he turns heel on the ring and says, <laughs> this is our – you know, he talks about the stage, you know, this being our stage. Yeah. And how this stage is an effing disgrace. Like, And then the, the people didn't know what he was saying. They didn't understand. You know, they didn't understand what the deal was. So it was just kind of it just kind of sucked the air out of the room. Oh, because he they probably he just dropped the mic and walked off and left me standing in the ring. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, and if you're not down with that, we don't know if we're down with it. We don't know what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So like, I still did that. Yeah. Like I threw the I I threw and I'm like I think my partner is mad because the ring hurt more than our opponents did. <laughs> yeah, because they probably know, and then I still did the two words thing and still got. A, you know, reaction. Sure. It was just weird. Like, but, yeah, the, no, Austin was great. And, and, you know, I, I'm, let, it, let, let Austin Aries be Austin Aries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, people can say, oh, he was a dick to somebody at the airport or, hey, you know what? I'll take, I'll take Austin Aries, however, you know, I, I'm fine with all that. Yeah, I saw that. Let everyone I, else be nice. And <laughs> it, it does really feel like it's one of those things where, like, I don't know. He sits there, he signs autographs all day, and then he has one bad interaction, and that becomes the story, right? Yeah. He did have a point, too, you know? I mean, that's... It's just, like, I would be a little bit nicer than he is about it. That's right. just me. Right, right. Well, he definitely had a point with those guys. If you were there, you would you would understand what I was saying. Well, it's also... I mean, we're talking what... about some guys. We're talking about some guys for the people that don't... That this is too inside baseball for. Yeah. And when we were going from one town to the next and we were going to the airport, there were some fans that were waiting at the airport and they were, they were at the show the night before and everyone else paid for, you know, stuff at the merch line. And that's how a lot of, you know, that's always part of the way we support ourselves. Sure. And, uh, so Austin took 
exception what guys were camped out at the at the airport and you know yeah yeah i mean he he mentioned it to them you know i get that it's it's a scummy thing it's i i hate when i go to the autograph signings like the conventions i hate the people that are waiting outside the convention hall yes waiting for people to leave and it's like come on guys like 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 these guys flew all the way in this is how they're making their living this weekend and like to wait outside and try to guilt them into giving you for free what they're trying to sell is like you're like you're putting you're putting guys in a position where they either have to be dickheads or they're cheating all their fans that they just charged out of something cheating that they're giving you for them, free but the person that brought them in and paid for for us to be there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I always. But screw uh, everyone else, right? Right, exactly. Screw I gotta get my else. picture. I gotta, I gotta get my autograph, and my picture. So, what difference yeah. does it make? Um, I was, I, I had a, a question. I feel like, uh, you know, I listened to to Pritchard's podcast, and yeah. like, you know, we've talked about your stories and everything, but I feel like uh, Conrad brings up you uh, putting shit in people's bags and on sandwiches and stuff like a lot. Did you play? that many pranks with shit in your time like is that is that is that was that what you were known for or was it just something you did a couple times a couple of times but they get but they were big big things you know and and it's definitely okay like it's hard for me to you know get on anyone for talking about that when (laughs) i i definitely at one time was bragging about stories like that i thought it was cool that i did that you know And and i hate to say that Sam, I hate to admit that, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like it's tough for you because I laugh at the stories. I think the stories are funny, but I think the reason I think that they're funny is, number one, I feel like it was a different time, and number two, yeah. I feel like you were a completely different person. Like, I don't associate you yeah. with the person in those stories, so it's almost like we're laughing at a guy who did this, you know what I mean? yeah. Yeah, somebody with their head still up their own ass. Right. You know? Because uh, I, I don't think I was a bad person ever, you know? But I did some really shitty things at one time. Is that a no pun? pun yeah. No. <laughs> you know, and, and, and here's the thing, Sam. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I was always kind of awkward, like, you know, um, and I, I, we all want to sit in. You yeah. Know? And when you're 19 years old and 20 years old and you're put in a situation where you're with all of these guys, you know, a, a lot of them you're, you watched when you were growing up. Right. You know, uh, and you're trying to, uh, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to belong, you know, and that was really important to me. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, you do these things uh in a situation like that and i was just i can't speak for anyone but myself just to try to to try to do just that is to fit in and, and be accepted yeah i also think you that know? people don't really take into account how young you actually were because like when i think of stuff yeah. when i think of stuff i did in high school to try to get people to laugh because like you know i wasn't an athletic guy i didn't have but if i could get somebody to laugh it was like okay good i'm in i got them and like yeah. i'm not i would i cannot sit there and stand behind as a as a 34 year old guy i can't stand behind the things that i did when i was in high school to try to get my friends to laugh like that because you're stupid you know what i mean you do dumb things because you're like yeah but but i'll be accepted if i do this 
Yeah. And the thing is, Sam, is like, okay, the thing with the Mark Henry thing, I wasn't even there for that. Like, if that if that actually did happen, it for sure wasn't me because I wasn't even there. But, you know, uh, any, so, but I still get associated with that because of the, you know, the, the nation, the domination parody thing, you know? Right. Right. Now, did oh. you ever, because like when I think, because the story is like that they put like shit on a sandwich, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I think of that, the only thing I can think of is especially a young Mark Henry, like he would want to rip someone's head off. And that's a guy who actually has the ability to rip a person's head off. Did you ever do anything that led to somebody like wanting to like, like really beat you into oblivion? Probably. Yeah. I want to say that it was when I, when I, uh, got a lock and, and chain yeah. and, and locked Adam bomb stuff to the ceiling. <laughs> See that, that is such balls. Cause you think about it, like, like you said, you're, you're, you're not only are you a young guy, cause that had to be like 94, 95, yeah. but you're a small guy and Adam bomb is a giant. Yeah, you know what I mean. Size fella. So, so, yeah. so you took a chain and a lock and locked his stuff to the ceiling. Yeah, and he wasn't happy too because he kind of knew I did it because somebody I think stooged on me. But it was the thing that, like, because of who you hung out with, you were protected, so nobody could get you. I, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah. So they you were know? so they were doubly pissed because it's like this little this little yeah. asshole just chained my stuff to the thing. And because of who he hangs out with, now I can't retaliate. Yeah, probably. Um, but, he, but I worked with him a lot back then, too. Mm-hmm. And I made him look pretty damn good in the ring. He wasn't very good to work with. But that doesn't give me the you know right to be a dick like that. No, I mean, it's still like if you take all of that out, right? But boy, if you... does he ever still carry those resentments around, man. I've seen some of the stuff he said. Well, that's, oh my God. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, he really like still thinks, feels that way? Is he still After pissed? All these years? Yeah. Wow. I'm sure. Doesn't that. Man, I get it, man. I get it. But I uh, guess because it kind of blows your man, mind. That sucks. Yeah. It sucks that somebody carries that kind of resentment around because I don't. Yeah. I don't. And there's people that deserve it from me, and I still don't. Yeah. I guess that's right. Like if you're going to let go of the stuff that you did, you kind of also have to let go of resentments, right? Like you can't be, you can't be pissed at other people for doing other things to you. You kind of just have to let it all go and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm moved on. Because if those things, if you still let them bother you, eventually you're going to end up like going back to self-medicating things like that. So is that when, like when you started getting sober or, or when you started cleaning up, is that when you had to be like, you know what? I got to leave everything in the past in the past. Um, I don't think, Sam, it wasn't a situation where I had that one moment where I thought that. It's just how it happened. Now, I learned that that's what you had to do. Right. But, you know, um, it just, you, you, you work on those things, and you work on being over them. And you say, I forgive that person, even though maybe you don't quite, you're not quite there yet, you know? Including right. ourselves. Because, you know, I've tried to forgive myself forever, man. And that's... You know, I'm pretty. I've done a pretty good job lately with it. But what was what was uh, tougher? Because of, like you said, because everything you did, and I think I can I can hear it in your voice. But was it? A, it I I I would imagine it was probably a lot tougher to forgive yourself for the things that you did that people are even still mad at you about than it was to forgive other people. 
not even I, it's it's not even close. Like you can't I can't even compare the two. Yeah, it's no, it's it's really uh, compared to forgiving myself, even the worst one. And I I'll, I'll tell I won't tell you uh, and I won't share what it is with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you, like out there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not fair to say to say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I'm... It's just you know, I just it's one of those things that's a little too personal. Yeah. No. No. I uh, get it. I mean, you've, you've you've shared quite a bit, so I don't think if anybody's going to be mad at anybody for not sharing, I don't think it would be fair to be mad at you. But they're still forgiven, right, uh, Sam? And mm-hmm. and uh, forgiving myself was just something that. Uh, like I, I really didn't make a, a ton of progress until I came out here to LA and, and I started seeing the the hypnotherapist that that Kevin and uh, Maria Kevin Undergaro Maria Menunos woke me up with. Wow! So we're talking about like in the last year. Yeah, I mean you're you know I was making progress before that, but you know um, all the really good stuff happened lately. Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing! Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and obviously it's having a good effect. Are the are the are the promoters now different than they were like ten years ago? I mean, it just feels like independent wrestling is at such a better place from a fan's perspective now than it has been for a long time. Are there yeah. less scumbag promoters kind of running around and ruining it for people? Yeah, there's still a few of them that are kind of still hanging around. And, you know, some of them are kind of more in, like, the Northeast area, like up in your neck of the woods. Uh-huh. Um, just some of the older ones, you know, that are just kind of uh, still hanging on. But, like, the newer ones that have the promotions that, like, are kind of, you know, um, critically acclaimed. Is that how you uh, should put it? Sure, you know? yeah. Um, run by newer generation of people that aren't stuck in that carny mentality of, you know, let's work to, you know, let's, let's con the people. Let's try to see how much money we can get out of, you know, that whole mentality. And, and it's all about how much money we can take from the people and, you know, not as much concentrating on, you know, what kind of a, a, a an amazing product we can put together, you know, yeah. a big giant masterpiece of work of art. Did you see the uh, Did you see the War Games takeover? I did. What'd I you th- did. For the, I did most of it. What'd you think of the? Did you see the War Games match? I I didn't I didn't see it like from start to finish without taking my eyes off it, but mostly yes. What'd you think of it? Um, I I really liked it. Yeah. I wish they would have put the roof on the cage. Okay, see that's a great because like I'm watching. First of all, there were a couple things that I liked, and you could tell me your your thoughts as an actual performer, but like. When I saw the the steel platform that they put between the two rings, I was like, yeah. the, I felt like that little thing, that little detail was genius, and I couldn't believe that nobody had thought of it before. Like I loved. Oh sure. I loved that filler. Oh, but, to make it so you wouldn't fall, break your ankles trying yeah. to walk in between both rings. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, and then they I ended up that. they ended up utilizing it because then they could slam the guy on it or whatever. But that's I mean that's the first right. thing that I thought that nobody it's it's got to be so much safer. But I thought that taking the roof off the cage was kind of an asset, not because I wanted to see like, you know, Adam Cole jumping off of it or whatever. Like, I mean, that was cool, but I thought that like, for instance, like the spot where they do the, the back body drop from one ring into the other, like you wouldn't be able to get high enough and get your feet up in the air 
if the roof was on. Like I thought for 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 moves like that or like you know. I think you would on that one. That that roof was a lot. That cage was a lot higher than the. Uh, than the WCW than the one. War Games, yes. Plus, here's the thing, uh, uh, Sam. If I was in War Games, right. I was in not the very last one, but the one before that. Mm-hmm. A WCW one, and I loved having that roof on because when Mongo got in there, mm-hmm. he shot me in and gave me a big belly bump and and like backdrop me up into the to where my back hit the cage. Oh, and then you can like go and hit your back on the cage and slam me into the mat on the way down. And I, I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I kind of remember that because then it like it makes Mongo look like this monster, and it makes yeah. you like it like you just look like you just took like the thrashing of a lifetime. Oh yeah. And there is more of that sort of like, uh, I can't get out of this thing. Like, it almost feels claustrophobic when you're watching it in a good way, not in a bad way. Like, that, like sure. all this sort of humanity and, and, and action is packed into this contained thing. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to like harp on, on the, on the roof not being there because, like, I saw in my like Twitter timeline, like, one particular person that they just kept harping on the fact that there was no, you know, uh, no roof, and and it was still really good. Yeah, I thought so too. That's my one thing, my preference. That's all. I thought it ranked as far as war games matches go. I thought it ranked pretty high on the list because there's a lot of bad oh, war yeah. games matches. Because that, that's just what I was I was going to say. The match that I was in, the war games match that I was in, was one of the best ones they ever had. Yeah. Because like the early ones, it was just guys going in there and and, and chopping on each other and doing what they used to do back then. Right. Right, I you think know, yeah. they weren't really thinking about let's put this match together. Okay, let's this this part of the match. That, they didn't do it as much back then. Well, uh, it, was, it was also like just good guys versus bad guys, right? It wasn't like this. Yeah, there wasn't a story really going on. There was no peaks and valleys in the in the in the match. No comeback. No heat. Like it was just like get everyone in there, and then once everyone's in there, let's figure out how to go home. And I, let's beat JJ Dillon. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, I thought it was goofy at first, like when they said they were going to do the thing with the shark cages. But then I actually uh, thought that it added uh, like it added a lot of drama to it because yeah, in, good. in the old War Games matches, like you'd see the guy ready to open the door right before the buzzer went off. So you, there was never any sort of like, oh, who's it going to be? Which one? There's this random thing. Like you knew before the buzzer went off who was going in. But in this one, they almost uh, did it like the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Hey, I I was um, like pretty much everyone else, else saw the, you know, Aleister Black. Yeah. Uh, Velveteen Dream match, man. I was really high on that match. It was it was really good. I think people thought it would be pretty good and were even surprised at how good it was. Even the people with high expectations yeah. were surprised at how good it was. Because uh, 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 Alistair Black has upped his game since he's been there. Since his first match that that, that I saw him have there uh, on his debut yeah. for everyone to see, uh, between then and now, I amazing how much, how much, like, when he got to the end of the match and his like comeback, mm-hmm. like almost like his babyface style comeback that he did toward the way that thing flowed and the way it kept the people in, uh, you know, in, in into it, like that's something that uh, that was not a, he was that wasn't one of his stronger parts uh, parts of his game. 
when he first got there. And it's really interesting because a guy like that, obviously, he's had a pretty major career outside of NXT, and there are people yeah. who come in with this background outside of NXT and like really don't develop. You know what I mean? There, there are people that you they think they already got it all figured out. Precisely, precisely. And so it's awesome to see a guy who's like, oh. Let me now take this and just allow it to be the foundation and start building and building and building on that. Yep. Are you, yep. so So is he probably the guy that like coming off that show, is Aleister Black the guy that you were looking at like, yeah, that's the dude? His stock, his stock rose more than anyone else's on that show, I thought. It's amazing just that that match got talked about as much as it did because when you're on a show with a great a great title match that had a surprise ending, a war games match, and the women's fatal four way, and that's the match that people talk about. That's that that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, like you know, I, I also um, you know Patrick is has to be given a ton of credit, man. Huge, wow, yeah. he's doing fantastic. Yeah, I didn't even know it was him. Really, I didn't even know it was him. That's. Sam. That's... I'm gonna tell you right now. I know it's kind of crazy, but and I know him from from Maryland Championship Wrestling. Uh huh. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know it. <laughs> He'd probably love to hear that. Um, yeah. You wonder with him though if uh, how the Velveteen Dream. Like I actually, the Takeover Show was the first time that I kind of saw how the Velveteen Dream could theoretically translate onto the main roster, but yeah, through no fault of of Patrick's, through more just like you know, what's happened in the past and what the system is, I do worry that that character doesn't translate to the main roster. Mm. You know? You mean because of just how, like, other, other, uh, people, uh, other, uh, what do you want to call it, when they've brought other people up to the main roster, how it's gone for them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there are a lot of guys that, like, you look at it and, and, and it's just not, like, you know, the Ascension was like an intimidating scary team in NXT and and you know and and Tyler had a, a hell of a time before uh Tyler Breeze before Breezango was a thing you know and he was yeah. he was he was he was a legit dude in NXT so i always yeah. i do worry that like those guys that are kind of character heavy are going to have a, a a difficult transition getting to them when they get to the main roster not because of their work but because of the character that's a that's a really good point, man. I hope that's not the case with him. I, I, because uh, I think that's a big time act, regardless of whether it's NXT, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, or anywhere. You know, and I, I think one uh, something he does really well is like it could be that could be a cheesy Prince ripoff, but it's not when because yeah. it, but it's because of him that it's not. Like he owns that character and like completely embodies it and lives it to the point where as over the top and ridiculous as it is, you believe it coming from that guy. That's probably why you didn't recognize the dude that you knew playing it, right? That is why. That is why. And it, I'm, there's something very authentic about how he's doing this, and it makes me want to think that it's been there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you... Uh, <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you... I, I, I'm sure I ask you this every time, but it just seems like... like is a, is a goal of yours to do something with WWE in terms of, of backstage or developing talent or putting together matches or anything like that? Is that something you want to do or, or do you prefer staying in your lane that you're in right now? 
I'm pretty good right now. I, I would do that if they asked me and they said they needed me to help out with that. I would do anything they asked me to do. I would do my best to uh, accommodate them. Yeah. Uh, however, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty good right now. Yeah. Sam, you know, uh, um, I've got, I, I, here's the thing. I get my, if I get to the point where I could uh, pass their, you know, their physical and that, mm-hmm. I do want to go back and, and, you know, finish up in the WWE ring. Oh, so you want to work yeah. another match in WWE? Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, and I, I guess... I sure could do it. I could do it. Right now, I could do it if I could pass the physical. Did you start to have that feeling at that WrestleMania where you did the run-in? Or did you have that before? Um... No, I kind of knew that. Yeah. But I, I, I'm in better better shape to do it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, but like... Yeah, I mean, anybody that's seen your, your Twitter, for, or like I've said, like, it's it's pretty clear that uh, the shape that you've gotten in is amazing. Yeah. Well, listen... Yeah, people, like, will tell me, Sam, they'll go, oh, another run? And I'm like, yeah, as long as it's just a sprint. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not really, like, in, in, like, I'm not training for a marathon. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe a couple of matches, but not, like, you know, road, full-time road schedule. Like, you know, no. Uh-uh. We should try, I mean... Royal Rumble's in Philly. You should start pulling on people's ears and being like, "Hey, why don't you bring me down to Philly? Let me let me let me jump in at number twenty-eight or something like that, or something." Yeah, yeah. We'll I see. Very cool, man. Well, uh, if you guys aren't already aware, XPOC does uh, an amazing podcast called XPOC One Two Three Sixty, where it's really good because not only do you interview guys and you do it from you know the perspective that we've been talking about this entire time in terms of a guy who has lived it but is still living it and is super aware of the product and everything, uh, or the business, I should say, not the product. Um, But you also give a lot of insight into current day stuff. And, you know, for me, I think there are a lot of uh, podcasts where guys give their insight to current day stuff, but they don't really watch the current day stuff, and you can kind of tell. But uh, yours is really uh, interesting and insightful, and you look at things from a, a different perspective and you look at different details that even I, I mean, even when we just talk like face to face and you tell me what you think of certain matches or whatever, it's all, it's, it's, it's stuff that after 30 years of watching, I didn't even notice because, yeah. you know, because I haven't lived what you've lived. I don't have your perspective, but if you guys want to see that it's X-Pac one, two, three, sixty, it's on iTunes, it's on YouTube. Uh, and it's definitely a good podcast to subscribe to. Uh, and then are there any uh, shows or anything like that coming up that people should be aware of? I do have one. Like, I think it's December 30th in AAW in Chicago. That's, Great. Another, that's one of those promotions. That's one of those uh, ones where they have the new mentality and they're not just out there, you know, carny style trying to, you yeah. know, just get the money. Yeah. They're trying to go out there and put on, you know, masterpieces every every time they put on a show. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm doing that December 30th. And, uh, uh, you know, like you were talking about my show, Sam, and one of the things that I like, I, I'm proud about is, is I don't go negative. Like, you know, I have in the past, obviously I've had my, you know, on shoot interviews or different appearances and stuff where, you know, I've been negative or I've talked down about people, but like, it's just something I just don't do anymore. If it comes out, it's very rare. You know, I'm just, if any, uh, yeah, I just 
hopefully people if, if they haven't seen or listened to the show they'll they'll at least take that away from it you know? yeah and it's cool to see too because if you're paying attention to it it's pretty clear that the reason that you're not doing that is because you're in a better place you know what i mean yeah exactly so exactly uh, man yeah. exactly sam and and the one thing i you know like um before i go i i just you know so many people i know are still you know still living in the past and uh and it's just not a good place to stay, Sam. Yeah, it's it's really not, man. And and sometimes life, like our life right now, sucks so bad that we we have to spend time all our time there in the past, and uh, and that sucks. And I just, uh, uh, you know, that's one of my hope for people from my generation and and the older guys, is they can get where I'm at as far as that goes. I think a big you part know. of it is doing what you do, which is embracing what's going on now. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. really just being like, this is, yeah, what I did was awesome. This is also awesome. What's going on now. Like just, yeah, just kind of keep evolving. Well, because I like, because I like the stuff that I did back in the day better. Doesn't mean that this stuff sucks now. Right. Right. And, and, and you like, know, it doesn't have to be binary thinking, you know, like, precisely. you don't have to be like, like that. So, yeah. And you don't have to bring it up. Like just because you see something that you like, doesn't mean you have to then bring up. Yeah. But I also did stuff that was good. It's like, yeah, we know, but we're talking about this other yeah. thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you'll never hear me talk like that, Sam. Yeah. Cause people either, they know what I did. Right. I don't need to, you know, blow my own horn. Do you real quick before I, before I get you off, cause you've been very gracious with your time, but, um, <laughs> do you, uh, are you kind of amazed that, that I feel like you as a, the way wrestling fans view you, you've evolved more. Like you went through, and I think we've talked about this maybe before, but maybe I think it was off air probably. Like it's very cool to see that now X-Pac is like really viewed as like a guy that people have a lot of love for and 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 and, and, and a legend and everything. And I think, you know, you went through that a time more when you were still active or, or right after you left WWE where like, X-Pac heat was the term and it was a thing and it was like, and, and, and it was like X-Pac sucks and blah, blah, blah. And it's just cool. But, and before that it had been like one, two, three, kid is the man. X-Pac is great. Like, yeah. like it went, it was good. And then it was not great. And then it, it went back to really good. And I well, think, Sam, yeah, you know, sorry, finish what you were going to say. Well, I just, I just think that, the problem that a lot of people get to is in that part where it's not that great yeah. because, you know, because there's been good before this, because people are at an age or whatever it is, they don't think that there's this other act that's beyond that where it gets good again. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. that, that it's, it sucks when people can't get there. You know what I mean? It's okay though. It, it really is, man. And, and yeah, you would, you, you would hope that people could, but, I, you know it is okay, and uh, and you know when they when the whole X Pac heat and the X Pac sucks thing was was a big thing. I was kind of living up to that and how I was living my life, Sam. That's interesting. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you were you were, you. Were... You know, I'm not living that way anymore. You know, and and lo and behold, you don't hear people saying that as much. Right. It's funny how that shit works. Yeah, that 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 maybe at a certain time X Pac did suck, <laughs> and then yeah, and now he, he doesn't. Did. So yeah, that's yeah, that's really I funny. I put out a tweet uh, one time because I was just thinking about like, you know, somebody said to me, "Oh, it's tough to be a straight white male these days." Mm -hmm. 
and I was just like rolling my eyes, you know, because <laughs> you know, of all the different things that are happening, yeah. you know, with sexual harassment. And so I put out this tweet and I said, you know, it sucks to be a man these days if you suck at being a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then somebody came back to me with like, you know, about, you know, something that I did in the past that was, that sucked. And I said, that's when I sucked at being a man. Right. That's how I know. Yeah. 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 Just because we did something that, you know, that sucks don't mean, you know, we can't comment on other things, you know? I mean, right. Especially if you, like especially I if... like I was, you know, Right, and and you and you've gotten past that. You're not still actively doing those things that suck. Right, right, right. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I'm also like holding out hope for those people that suck that they can get better too. Right, right. Because <laughs> I did. Yeah, and I mean, look, so. if you can do it, I don't see what excuse anybody else has, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes, trust me. Well, dude, I always, uh, I always really appreciate you uh, talking and being on the show, and uh, I know that the audience really does too. So. Thanks a lot. Everybody check out the podcast in uh, Chicago. Be down there at the end of December. And thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Sam. Oh, one more thing, man. Yeah. I'm really happy that uh, that you, you you stood up for me, man, when that, uh, that arrest thing happened. And you know, that could have gone, you know, not that I would let anyone do that, but, you know, you took a chance. That could have, you know, backfired and made you look foolish. And I, I'm really grateful for, for you doing that. Yeah, man, I, 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 I felt strongly about it, and I'm, I'm happy to do it anytime, man. Thanks, Sam. All right, buddy, I'll talk to Have you later. Have an awesome night, man. You too. Here is Sam Roberts. Oh, it's always good to have X-Pac on this show. I love that guy. Thank you again to X-Pac for being a part of the show. Hope you guys all enjoyed him, and hope you guys check out his podcast. And whenever he's in your area, check him out. He's a good, uh, he's a good, he's one of the good guys. Um, and it's always interesting, you know, I never know cause he's, he's got such an interesting life. And so always, I always love talking to him about his stuff, but then he's always got such a good take on stuff too. I never know which direction to go in with him. So thanks again to X-Pac. You can follow him on Twitter at the real X-Pac. And by the by, if you're looking for something to uh, give as a Christmas gift this year to somebody, might I recommend... A Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, a Not Sam t-shirt, a, a, a Boo the Bad Guys t-shirt, whatever you need, it's all at NotSam.com slash merch. You can also get there by going to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. That's NotSam.com slash merch. Uh, I appreciate everybody that took advantage of the Black Friday sale. There were a whole bunch of you, uh, and I love seeing that. Make sure you tweet them out when you get your shirts. Tweet out your photos. I'll retweet you. If I see you on the street, you're going to get a high five. It's all going to be so amazing. You're just not going to know what to do with yourself. But I know that you know that I know that you know what to do with yourself right now and what you should be doing with yourself is get prepared because it is now time for this week's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are. It's State of Wrestling time on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And as per usual, uh, we're doing it live on Facebook, so I'll be uh, going to some of your comments. If you want to be part of State of Wrestling Live when we do it, then make sure that you're friends with me or or you like me on Facebook at facebook.com slash notsam. We do it every Wednesday afternoon at some point. I don't have a specific time in mind, but if you like me on Facebook, they'll send you an alert. You'll get to see the video. It'll be all good. Listen. Listen. I've got to level with you here. We were all a big part of history this week. All of us were a big part of history. You know, there are moments 
in the world of pro wrestling, when we look back on it and you say, do you remember where you were? Do you remember where you were when the macho man Randy Savage told Hulk Hogan, you got lust in your eyes, brother. You remember where you were? Of course you do. Of course you do. Do you remember where you were when Shawn Michaels made the boyhood dream come true and then lost his smile? Of course you remember where you were. We all remember where we were when these things happened. Do you remember where you were when Shawn Michaels kicked Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window? All of us do. Do you remember where you were when Jake the Snake Snake was killed by the earthquake? Of course, any of us growing up then remember these things. And this week, we've got one. This week, the uh, Generation Y, the Millennials, they got, we got our next. They got their first barbershop window moment. For the rest of time, people will ask you, where were you when Mojo lost his hype? Where were you when there was no more hype, bro? Mojo Rawley turns on Zack Ryder this week on SmackDown, and oh my God, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. Of course, I think we all thought that uh, the natural thing was going to be that Zack Ryder was going to turn on Mojo, right? I think that's where everybody saw it going. To see Mojo just mid-promo. Zack Ryder is sitting there. He's talking about, like, you know, something's got to change. Mojo made something change. Mojo drops him down. I think that this was the right move because Zack Ryder, as much as they try with Mojo Raleigh, Zack Ryder is the more popular of the two. You know, they try, they give Zach, they give Mojo the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy. Nobody remembers that, but everybody remembers a year before that, Zack Ryder on top of the, I think it was a year before that, Zack Ryder, yeah, definitely, on top of the ladder with the Intercontinental Championship. Still, and that should be part of it, right? I want to hear Mojo say, I won, I was hyped. I was hyped for years, and I told all of you to stay hype, and you never did. You were never hype enough. I was always the most hype, and I was in here wrestling. All you were doing was sitting there looking at me, and you weren't staying hype. No matter how hard I asked you to stay hype, you wouldn't. Then I go, and I win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And what do you do? What do you do? You don't even remember. You act like it's no big deal. You turn around, but oh, we've got we've got action figures of Zack Ryder climbing that ladder. Oh, we've got t-shirts of Zack Ryder climbing that ladder. Oh, we're looking at that moment of Zack Ryder slapping the ridiculous cowboy hat off of his dad's head over and over and over again on highlight reels. But what do we got? Where is the trophy? I don't even get to bring the Andre trophy to the ring anymore. When you think of WrestleMania, it was just months ago, you talk about the Hardy Boys returning. You talk about John Cena proposing marriage. You talk about The Undertaker being retired by Roman Reigns, but nobody ever talks about Mojo. What about me? What about Mojo? Well, I took destiny into my own hands. I took my hype and I unleashed it 
on the ungrateful bro, Zack Ryder. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear from Mojo Rawley. And I see they say, well, Mojo won the Battle Royal on the kickoff show. Zack Ryder won on the main show. It doesn't make a difference. I mean, you could say Mojo could bring that up. They didn't even put my Battle Royal on the main show. I'm sorry Shaq wasn't in it. All we had was Rob Gronkowski. I eliminated the w- former WWE champion, Jinder Mahal. And what do I get for my troubles? Partnered up with this goon from Long Island. I loved it. I love the idea. And look, this is I, I feel like this will be this will be Mojo's last shot, really. This will be Mojo's last shot. There's really not much else for Mojo to do. He's had every chance in the world to be uh, he's gotten every opportunity, right? He got the battle royal. He got a shot to be a, a pretty major tag team. They were never the champions, but I, the hype bros got plenty of screen time on SmackDown and on NXT. He's had singles matches. You know, when Zack Ryder was out with the injury, they certainly tried to push Mojo in the direction of of singles. And by the way, right before he went out with the injury, they were making the Hype Bros number one contenders. So the Hype Bros were, for a moment at least, a big tag team. I feel like SmackDown did more with the Hype Bros than they did with American Alpha. And that's not a compliment to SmackDown, but I'm just saying that you can't sit there and say that they haven't tried with Mojo. Then they give him the Andre Battle Royal win. You know, and they and they they've they've done a lot by him. Now he gets to have the big heel turn. He gets to turn on Zack Ryder. The story he has the story. The story of the end of the hype bros is all about Mojo. So now is the moment. I see people in the comment section already. They're saying, I hate Mojo. I hate Mojo. Well, a lot of people do, but maybe that'll work in his favor. Maybe he'll really make you hate him. Maybe he'll make you hate him the way you hate bad guy wrestlers. The way bad guys re- wrestlers are supposed to be hated. Who knows? It's not necessarily bad news. It's not, a, you know, I think that that in terms, I, I, this only benefits Mojo. Because if Zack Ryder had turned on Mojo, Zack Ryder would have been heel. He would have been a bad guy for about a cup of coffee. He probably would have beaten Mojo, and then he would have been a good guy again. And Mojo would have just been trying to get his, like, hey, guys, let's keep staying hype. You know, this is the best possible outcome for Mojo Raleigh. So we'll see where it goes. You know, I, 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 it, it's one of those things where, like, after, after he has some matches with Zack Ryder, I don't know. But we, SmackDown's a weird place right now. SmackDown is an odd landscape. We could end up in a scenario where we see... Mojo Raleigh challenging for the WWE Championship against Jinder Mahal. Like, that could be a WWE Championship match in the era that we're living in right now. That's the craziness. That's the craziness that, that, that we live in. Mojo can have some great heat, is what they're saying. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But we'll see. I do think that it's the right move. If you're gonna, if you're gonna put Mojo, do anything with Mojo, if you're gonna split up the hype bros, Zack Ryder's gonna be fine. You know, Zack Ryder's got his place. Mojo is is the guy that needs somebody, something to to push that story along. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, big news that broke this week was, if you remember uh, a few months back, I had Cody Rhodes here on the podcast. And this was uh, right when Cody Rhodes had started his Twitter argument with Dave Meltzer. And Cody Rhodes, at that moment, when he was arguing with... Meltzer on Twitter. This is how weird and uh, 
and 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 self-aware pro wrestling has become that Cody Rhodes is arguing with Dave Meltzer on Twitter and it's inspired him to turn around and do something new in the world of pro wrestling. Like There is no real and fake. There's no scripted and non-scripted. It's all just wrestling at this point. So he's arguing with Dave Meltzer about filling a 10,000-seat arena because Cody Rhodes, uh, for a while now, has been on this push of, of Ring of Honor being kind of where it's at. You know, it was interesting because Cody for a long time was saying that he wasn't interested in signing anything exclusive with any organization because he'd been there and he'd done that. And then all of a sudden he turns around one day and he announces he's got an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor. And that's when he really starts to push and take seriously his role with Ring of Honor, with the Bullet Club, with the Young Bucks, with the, you know that whole thing. That's when that push really started m- moving forward. Uh, so, you know, the speculation, you know, Cody Rhodes believes in this 10,000-seat idea. The Young Bucks believe in this 10,000-seat idea. But it didn't seem like it was something Ring of Honor really wanted to do. Ring of Honor has figured out what it is that they do well. Ring of Honor has figured out how it is that they make their money. They have their business plan. So the last thing that they want to do is throw everybody off base and say like, okay, now we're playing these big buildings because number one, they're not used to getting 10,000 people to go to shows. A big show is like, you know, 3,000 people. If they get 3,000 people in a building, it's a huge, huge success. And number two, if they do 10,000 seats... Because of what 10,000 seats looks like, I think if Ring of Honor does 10,000 seats, the expectation becomes, okay, this is where they do their big shows. NXT TakeOver. The first couple NXT TakeOvers were done at Full Sail, the same place where they did their TV. I think the first NXT TakeOver that took place in a big venue was the first TakeOver Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken, at the Barclays Center. And they were planning on blacking out most of the building. That was the one that where they had Sasha Banks and Bailey, Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor in a ladder match. Like it was really an amazing, amazing time for NXT. That was probably the peak of NXT so far. Um, and but they end up selling out the whole building. They thought that they were going to black out most of it. And when they realized what the demand was, they changed it all up. So, but. The only caveat to that was after you saw what NXT TakeOver Brooklyn looked like, TV was fine for Full Sail, but when a big NXT event was happening after that, you kind of had to do it in a big arena, like that that big arena feel, because otherwise it's like a step backwards. Otherwise it feels like a step backwards if you're not doing these big venues. So that I think might be something that Ring of Honor is worried about, that you can't If you're Ring of Honor, you can't do a 10,000-seat venue once. That doesn't really prove anything. If you're Ring of Honor and you do, like, for instance, Final Battle in a 10,000-seat venue, well, then people are going to expect, you know, a pay-per-view in March or April, at least by June, at least within the next six months, you should be back in a 10,000-seat venue. And then next year at Final Battle, you should be in a 10,000-seat venue, and so on and so forth. And I don't think that's something Ring of Honor wanted to commit to. And I can understand that from a business point. Uh, however, because those, 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 those Bullet Club boys are so damn uh, goal-oriented, are so damn ambitious, it wasn't good enough for them. 
So Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks this week announced that they are going to fund a show themselves. Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are going to put on a show on their own. Obviously, they'll have the permission of Ring of Honor because all three of those guys are signed to exclusive Ring of Honor deals within the United States. So, And I think that Ring of Honor would be smart to allow them to do this because what it what it means is, obviously, the Ring of Honor title would be defended. You'd surely have a lot of Ring of Honor talent on the show alongside the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. But since you don't have Ring of Honor as the promoter, per se, Ring of Honor is not expected to continuously draw 10,000 people. So I think it's smart for Ring of Honor to take a step back on this and allow Cody and the Young Bucks to do it on their own. Because at the end of the day, they don't have to take the risk, and it still ends up being that big commercial for Ring of Honor. Really, anything that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes do right now is all just a free commercial for Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is the is the organization that really wins from everything that these guys are doing. Everything. Um so I'm 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 anxious to see and honestly like at the moment it feels like almost everything Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks do turn to gold. I think that they're very strategic in their marketing. Uh, and very strategic in the things that they take on. And before, they're, they're not... In the old days of wrestling, and you still see that, the, the, the traditional wrestling mentality is to kind of over-promise and under-deliver, to just hype something up and hype it up and hype it up just to get the headlines and get the buzz going, and then hopefully everybody forgets what you promised before you actually have to deliver it. We've seen it 10,000 times in the world of wrestling. But that's not the game that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes play. The reason that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes are different, the reason that, that uh, the elite are different and, and, and being the elite is a huge show on YouTube, and the reason why that group feels so different is because it they make the fans feel like the fans are inside the joke. They make the fans feel like it's the Young Bucks, it's Cody Rhodes, and it's the fans of them, it's us, that are playing a joke on the people that aren't watching. Whether it's playing a joke on the WWE or playing a joke on the general public or whatever it is. They make it uh, uh, so that it's like we're stooging on the corporations. It's the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny and us. And Paige and us. And we are getting one over on the guys that said that we weren't going to be able to do any of this. Which is brilliant marketing and there's a lot of truth to it as well. You know, I think that, that the Young Bucks... Uh, have a sense of gratitude towards the fans because of what because they've been uh, pretty much they've had all this success and it has been crowdfunded. It hasn't been this this big sort of corporate umbrella that's put them there. And Cody Rhodes, I would imagine, has to be pouring with gratitude because he's the guy that left the umbrella. He stepped out into the rain, no guarantees, no nothing, and has become you know, 10 times as big a star as he ever was in WWE, not, maybe not 10 times, but three times as big a star as he ever was in WWE out on the indies. So, which is, by the way, when he finally does gonna uh, get back to WWE, boy, is that gonna change things for him. See what I'm doing with my fingers? I'm making a sign like money. So, I love that Cody and the Young Bucks are doing this, and I don't think that they would be doing it if they didn't see how it was possible. You know, they I think they listed a few cities that they might do it in. 
I think they're looking at Canada. They're looking at London. They're looking at Chicago. You know, they're looking at New York was not on the list. I think Sacramento might have been one of the cities they were looking at. Um, but yeah, I think I, 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 I think a couple of things. Number one, I think it's really cool and I have faith that they're going to be able to pull something off. But number two, I think this is another thing that is just good for wrestling. And I think it goes back to the point that we were talking about last week or the week before that WWE's competition. You know, we went, we went for, for the last however long it's been, 15 years, talking about how the WWE needs competition. The WWE has never been as good as it was when WCW was running head-to-head. What Cody and the Young Bucks are doing with this show, what the Young Bucks are doing with their merch and the way they do things, the way the whole wrestling world is taking shape outside of the WWE is it's becoming, it's becoming a world into and of itself where just like, you know, entertainers, right? Guys like me, like I don't need to have a big NBC logo on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I'm not on any network. I'm not with any I'm not affiliated with any corporation. I just come on here and I talk about wrestling and I got some cameras and I was able to build a studio. I got a microphone and I can go on Facebook and I can go on YouTube and I can put out a podcast for free and I can do whatever I want. I can reach an audience without without an entity putting me there. If I want to. You know, and if there is an audience for it, you can succeed that way. And those are the lessons that is that is is taking shape in the world of wrestling. Where, let's say Ring of Honor folded, we're now creating a model where even if Ring of Honor doesn't even exist, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, guys like that can still figure out how to make a living outside of WWE. And I think that 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 is the huge thing. And that's what becomes competition for WWE. Not in the sense of like, well, people are going to watch one thing or the other or, well, uh, the ratings are this and the ratings are that. Like, it's not a Monday night war, but it is this thing of guys have a choice. Guys have a choice. If you're talented and can connect with the audience, if you are sitting there going, I can connect with the audience. The reason I am not connecting with the audience is because WWE, quote unquote, you hear this all the time, won't allow me to be in the position that I should be in. If that is really true, in 2017, in 2018, there is nothing stopping you from getting that audience. If it is really true that the only thing holding you back is WWE, which more often than not is absolutely false, more often than not, the guys that say, well, I went to WWE and they didn't use me right, so I left. You don't hear from them again. Because WWE was using them right. They were just overconfident. More often than not. Of course, there are many exceptions, but more often than not, that's the case. When it's not the case, when it is true that they're not getting used properly, that, that there is there is nothing stopping these guys from going out there and making their own money and getting in front of their own audience. And now, you don't even need somebody else to put the ring up because Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are, are printing this blueprint for you where the guy, you can promote your own shows now because these guys, like all you have to do, look, any money that, that I get from the podcast, I reinvest back into what we're doing here with Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and not Sam. 
The whole the studio here is built by what I'm doing. There's no, it's not, a, it's not a, it's a, you you reinvest because you see what that vision is for the future. If you have a vision for yourself and you've made a bunch of money wrestling, but you don't feel like you've hit your potential, then why not use that money that you've made wrestling to rent out a big building and put go on the way you think you should be going on and get your money back if you're that good. Make a whole bunch more money because then it's your house. You're not waiting for somebody to divvy out a portion of it for you. It's yours. That's what Pat Buck did at WrestlePro. Pat Buck wasn't getting his opportunities when he was uh, working with developmental in WWE, and that's fine. So what did he do? How do you make a money? How, how do you make a living? How do you make money in this world of wrestling without somebody putting you there? Well, you put yourself there because that's the age that we're living in. It's not that difficult anymore. You put yourself there. And so Pat Buck said, okay, well, even if I'm not getting booked on every indie show that I want to be on, I'll just start my own promotion then. And I'll start my own wrestling school that will feed into my own promotion. And the wrestling school makes money and the promotion makes money and you're making a living wrestling, in wrestling. And there's 150,000 different ways to do it that suits different guys. But Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are, are demonstrating why in, in 2018 there is absolutely no reason to just assume that your fate lies in the hand of of anyone else. You know, you got a guy like uh, like uh, Austin Aries, who's I don't see, I I don't know why he left WWE. I would love to get him on the podcast and talk to him about it. But if he left on his own accord, then fine. There's nothing that's stopping him from becoming a bigger star than he ever was in WWE. I see Devin on the Facebook chat. He says it's moronic to think that the WWE would spend all this money on bringing in and developing talent just to bury them. You know, I, I don't, yeah, there, there's no logic behind that. I don't think that WWE hires people just to bury them. You know, I, I think that maybe there are times when WWE has an idea for somebody and it doesn't pan out. They don't see it. It's not working with their audience. And people do end up not getting used the way they should. And sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. You know, you can look at, a, at what's happening with a guy like Finn Balor right now. Like, would, would, would Finn Balor be, you know, getting beat up by Kane every week on Raw? If I had my way? No, I don't understand that. But I don't, if that, but I, if, I, if I'm going to complain about that, I should raise some money and start my own promotion. See if I can get Finn Balor to come work for me instead. I'll make you win every match. And he's like, yeah, but guess what? You're not going to pay me like WWE's paying me. Okay, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe you're right. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think that, that that's, that's the world that we're living in. And it's a beautiful time because this world of, well, guys only have one option. You may not have direct competition in the sense of head-to-head -head competition, but you cannot convince me that professional wrestlers only have one option. No way. No way. Nobody in entertainment, whether it's sports entertainment or otherwise, has only one option. There's so much out there now. And it's so easy to get your hands on it. And that's being proven uh, by guys on a regular basis. Uh, so a big, a big, a big thing that happened uh, uh, in, in, in reference to this show is over on, on the Sirius XM show, Busted Open, Cody Rhodes, I think he called in, and he said the guy that he would really like to wrestle 
at the tenth at, at the show where he's trying to get ten thousand people in is Daniel Bryan. Now, <laughs> if I was putting on a show uh, where I was going to be in the main event and I was responsible for getting ten thousand seats, uh, I would also would really like to wrestle Daniel Bryan. <laughs> that's that's the guy that I would like to wrestle too. It's really, really, really going to be interesting with Daniel Bryan in the coming months, I would say, because. If you listen to the interview he did here on the podcast, uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago or so, um, it's clear he wants to wrestle in WWE. If Daniel Bryan, and he said that on the podcast, go back two weeks and listen. If Daniel Bryan had a choice of what ring he would wrestle in again, it would be a WWE ring. The only reason that he would wrestle outside of WWE is if, for corporate reasons, he is not allowed to wrestle. For legal reasons, he is not allowed to wrestle in WWE. If that is the case, I would I could certainly see him wrestling Cody Rhodes in that in that building. I don't know when his contract ends. I don't know when I like I don't know any of the logistics behind that, and I don't know when Cody is thinking that he and the Young Bucks are going to put this show on. I think that if it is a Cody Rhodes Daniel Bryan match, and it's Daniel Bryan's you know one of his first matches back in the ring. Not only do I think it'll sell 10,000 seats, I'm going to end up on a plane flying to some city in God knows where just so I can watch the thing because I think it'd be amazing. Amazing. I would love to see Cody Rhodes versus Daniel Bryan uh, in a match where it's up to them, meaning there's nobody sitting there going like, okay, they, like, like this, is, this is what we want to do. Somebody's saying uh, uh, February 2018 is when... Is when the uh, is when the Daniel Bryan's contract is up again. I have no clue. It could be. It, it could be. I have no reason not to believe you. But I mean, I don't. I I have no idea. But I think to see Cody versus Brian Danielson, where there were no you know metaphorical handcuffs on them. It was just go out there and do whatever you guys want to do for as long as you want to do it. We would see a. a, a a catharsis. We would see, it would be like a, a souls leaving bodies. It would be guys that for, for so long wanted to show everything that they could do, and that would be the match where those two guys could really show everything that they could do. You know, this show is kind of like Tidal, right? When they announced, when they announced Tidal, the music streaming service, the, the hook on it was that the artists that were involved were going to take we're going to have ownership to it. Meaning it's not just a matter of like, okay, like my songs are on Spotify. So I get a cut of the action. Okay. My songs are on Apple music. So I get a cut of the action. No, you're getting a cut of the company. You're a part owner. And I think that's probably what this show will end up being. What the 10,000 seat thing will end up being. It'll be a thing where the young bucks and Cody are putting it on, but the big names that come in are not just going to get paid to do a shot. I think they're going to end up with partial ownership of whatever this thing is that's built. And I think that that's the way to handle it. That's the best way to handle it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the idea, I personally, personally, I would far prefer to see Daniel Bryan wrestle in WWE. And that's because I'm a WWE fan. Like, if I had my choice, the first, because I, I want to see, there are three matches that I want to see in a WWE ring. I want to see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. 
I want to see Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And I want to see, I want to see an Iron Man match. I want to see not a 60 minute, I want to see a 90 minute Iron Man match. 90. Maybe 75. Give the guys a break. Somewhere between 75 and 90 minutes, an Iron Man match between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan at a WrestleMania. Those are the matches that I want to see, and I want to see them in a WWE ring. And I want to see them at the Tokyo Dome. I don't want to see them at the ECW arena. Like, I want to see them in a WWE ring. Because to me, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, to me, it makes it more special when it happens in a WWE ring. And I think that it always will. Part of what made uh, the moments in Survivor Series, whether you whether you like what happened by the end of that five-on-five match or not, I think a lot of people did not just because of the stories that were forgotten in the thing. But seeing moments of... Shinsuke Nakamura and Triple H, Bobby Roode and Triple H, John Cena and 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 you know wh- whoever like in a WWE ring with WWE guys, it makes it more special because it's these things that you never thought would happen. You know, that's that's what's special. So that's what I that that would ideally what I would like to see. But that said, if Daniel Bryan does not wrestle in the WWE ring again. As much as I think it would be a tragedy, you know, wrestling Cody Rhodes in front of 10,000 people in, in, a, in a moment that would be monumental for independent wrestling in the United States, I, it would be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I see one person. Do you think WWE will release Brian rather than let him wrestle? It's not a matter of releasing him. Contracts expire. So it'll be, you know, it'll be WWE at some point, I would think, would have to say, hey, man, your contract's up. We want to re-sign you. We want to keep you as the general manager. We simply can't let you wrestle. And that's another thing Daniel Bryan made clear in the podcast, that it's not a matter of WWE holding him back and saying, we don't want you to wrestle. WWE wants Daniel Bryan to wrestle. They can't let him wrestle right now. So it would be a matter of the contract expiring and saying, look, we want to keep you, but we cannot let you wrestle. And that would be the moment that Daniel would probably say, well, then I've got to say farewell for the time being then. i got to go out there and do what it is that I want to do. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be really, really, really interesting. Speaking of live shows uh, and interesting ways of doing things, so the WWE business used to revolve around live shows. Used to. That used to be the mark of success. You know, when you would wake up before Monday Night Raw, even a little bit in the early days of Monday Night Raw, but we're talking like the very early 90s, the 80s. You would you would wake up on Saturday, you'd watch your cartoons, and then at noon, for me anyway, it was time for Wrestling Superstars. Sunday, you'd have All-American Wrestling on at 11 a.m. on USA, and then Wrestling Challenge on at noon on Fox 5, right? And then Monday, you'd get primetime wrestling. But you wouldn't have any big matches on those shows. It'd be mainly uh, enhancement talent, taking on big names. It would just be coming up next, the British Bulldog in action, demolition, in action. Like, in action, in action, in action was to say that, like, you'd have one marquee talent and it would really just be an exhibition for look how cool these guys are. But the purpose of these TV shows was simply to announce, hey, we got a live show coming to town. Hey, you want to see this big match? You better buy a ticket to see the live show. And even the pay-per-views. You know, at the beginning of the pay-per-views, it was still kind of 
designed to sell people on a live event. And think about all the big feuds that we never saw on pay-per-view. You know, we watched TV hype up The Undertaker versus The Ultimate Warrior. That was never on a pay-per-view, but it toured the country. Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair was never on a pay-per-view, but they did it on house shows. You never saw, I don't think you ever saw Jake the Snake Roberts versus The Earthquake. You never saw Jake the Snake Roberts versus Macho Man, except I guess Tuesday in Texas. But does that really count as a pay-per-view? You know, that was kind of a bonus. But really, that match was all about the house shows. And you can see the WWE put out an unreleased DVD, and you can see some of those matches. They're like these these super matches that you were like, oh, that never happened, but it did. It was on the Ultimate Warrior versus Andre the Giant, you know? Matches like that, Macho Man versus Andre the Giant, matches like that were all on the live events because that's what the business was all about. Now, not so much. Of course, that's a huge part of business, but there's far more money in merchandising, in television sponsorships, in, it used to be in pay-per-views, but in network subscriptions, um, uh, in, in, in corporate, you know, partnerships, the, the, the deal with E on Total Diva, like all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of new ways to make money. So it's not all about the live events. So really, the live events are more like, hey, these big TV stars, you can pay to see them do what they do on TV. There's, you, you usually don't go to a live event and see a match that you haven't, you wouldn't see on TV or a pay-per-view just because the business has changed so much. But, but, and it says here, uh, sort of the NXT model. A little bit, but the NXT model generally shifts towards takeovers, right? Generally, you don't have big NXT stories that are solved at NXT live events. They're generally solved at takeovers. But yeah, yeah, you see big matches at NXT live events that you wouldn't necessarily see on NXT television. Uh, That said, that all changed this weekend when WWE went to Greensboro, North Carolina and put on Starcade. Starcade, and, and it was so frustrating because the reason why you can't, in 2018, in 2017, you can't do that you can't like your 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 money can't be reliant on live events anymore. That's just a part of it. Is because everybody knows what happens at the live events now. Everything that happens is potentially a global event. They had a storyline on Total Divas a couple weeks ago where Naomi was like, "Oh, I put all this light up stuff on my women's championship title, and I'm just going to try it out at this house show." And then and then talent relations got mad at Naomi because they saw a picture on Instagram. Now, what, did that really happen that way? I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and break Total Divas kayfabe, but point is that you can't just do something on a house show because all that something somebody needs to do is post a pic, put it on the gram, and it's everywhere. It's on every website, so you can't really do that anymore. Um, but lo and behold, Starcade goes down in Greensboro, North Carolina, and because we're so used to live event stuff not being exclusive we're not used to being excluded we're not used to it being like well if you don't see it live you don't see it we're like what what we live in a, in in, the, in in a world of participation trophies you think we're gonna settle for just being like well if you're not there you don't get to see it no that's not fair that's not fair is that cool that's what people were saying. That's what I was saying on Twitter as we watched uh, uh, Starcade. People have been asking me why wasn't Starcade 
uh, a live event. I mean, uh, on the network. And I really think that it's just because it costs a lot of money to put something on the WWE network. Personally, I think that it should have been on the WWE network. I think that that that's what the WWE network should be about. You know, I think that the documentaries they do are great. The Kevin Owens 365, I really like. The Goldberg WWE 24, I really like. I really like both those shows, and I really like them for different reasons. I thought, you know, the Kevin Owens 365 is so, so good because you really get a sense of how much the opinion of Vince McMahon means to these guys. That it's not just a matter of like, oh, I want to do something, but Vince won't let me. It's a matter of like, I want to please Vince McMahon because he is, this is his, this is his sandpit and we're playing in it. And I want to make sure that he likes what I'm doing. And, and you got that from Kevin Owens. And I, thought, I just thought it was really, really interesting and a side of things that you normally don't get to see. So I think that's what the network should be about. But, you know, I, I think that they could get away with, with even charging more for, like, at least the big four or big five pay-per-views and then throwing on some more of these live events. In fact, instead of doing, instead of, uh, you know, shaping things like everything's a pay-per-view... I, I, some of my favorite stuff, like I, I love the, the Beast in the East. I love the stuff that they televised from Madison Square Garden when it feels like a live event, not like a pay-per-view. And you're, and it's just a special thing you're broadcasting. The set is, 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 is uh, lower in scale than usual. You don't have the big pay-per-view set. I think that that's awesome. And, and I think you could get away with charging people more for pay-per-views if we knew that every few months, there was going to be some really cool live show that we were going to get to see on the network. I think something like Starcade that we would never see, 2017, that we would never see on television makes the WWE Network feel exclusive. So I, I, I think it should have been on. I see some person saying he'd pay $19.99 a month for the network. Yeah, I, I, I think, and, and Lewis is saying, why does it cost so much if WWE owns the network? Well, you have to pay money to buildings if you're going to tape TV in them. It costs a lot more money to tape a TV show in an arena than just to do a live show. It just does, like the rent for for taping a TV show, whether it's live or taped, is much more expensive if you're doing that. On top of that, they own the network, but it is very expensive to broadcast for them, for WWE, it is very expensive to broadcast live on the network. I don't know how much. But to stream something out live so that we can all watch it live without glitches is really, really, really expensive. I mean, that's why Netflix doesn't do live stuff. That everything is just archived on Netflix. They save a lot of money that way because it's extremely expensive to send stuff out live. You know, really, quite a bit. So that's, that's what I think uh, uh, the majority of it is. Uh, but that said... You know, seeing the two cage matches that were like old school, I thought was really cool. Even if, you know, they said that they had to build the cage. So the show is headlined by uh, Natalia versus Charlotte in a cage. And I think AJ Styles versus Jinder. Was that the WWE championship match? I think that that was the WWE championship match. And that was also in a cage. And they did those two cage matches back to back because they had to take an intermission because they actually had to build the cage. It didn't come down from the ceiling is what I read. Which is awesome. I would love to see that on the network because back in the day, they would run house shows on like, like here in New York when they ran Madison Square Garden. 
they would sometimes run the show on the Madison Square Garden Network, which is different than what we're talking about because the Madison Square Garden Network had a deal. So the WWE would actually offer programming to the network affiliated with the arena. So the cost of airing it was not the WWE's cost, if that makes sense. Um, but like you would, they would take a, an intermission in the broadcast to build the cage. And it was okay because it was just local cable. Like it was just, it was regional. And it would be okay if, like, you took a break in the broadcast to build the cage and maybe whoever was doing commentary at ringside could just kind of, you know, banter about for a little bit while the cage was built. And it would be okay that it wasn't moving super, super snappy because it's on the network, right? Because it's not about ratings. It's not about, you know, making sure that nobody tunes out every 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's streaming. It's on the network. It's for everybody. Um... I just think so. I, I just think it would be uh, it, it would be cool to see. What about charging something like five or ten dollars for one of these special house shows to watch on the network? I don't think that that would be right. I think it would. I think if you charge five or ten dollars for the pay per views, but you had free house shows on the network every like three months or so, then you're talking about a business model. That I think would work. I don't. I don't think that charging extra for the live events uh, would work. Um, but yeah, so I was bummed out. I, I thought it was cool. You know, I wanted to see the back-to-back steel cages. And then watching Arn Anderson. Did you see that? Go look it up on YouTube if you didn't see it. Watching Arn Anderson do an amazing, like a perfect, a perfect spine buster onto Dolph Ziggler at that show. was, And, and then he did the, the perfect rollout of the Spinebuster. was awesome. Seeing uh, Dustin Rhodes come out as Dustin Rhodes. He had the gold dust robe on. And then the music cut off. And he takes the robe off. And he's got his old uh, Dustin Rhodes clothes on. And the natural music starts playing. Oh, well, they call him the natural. Naturally. Awesome. Awesome. Just such a cool thing. And, and I'm jealous of everybody in Greensboro they got to experience that. Uh, and I hope that there's more cool shows like that that WWE does and they and they reconsider the investment of putting it on WWE Network and try to maybe reallocate costs uh, somewhere else. Let's talk about a little bit about what went on on uh, uh, Raw and SmackDown this week. Of course, we talked about the big thing, Mojo's big heel turn. But, but um, I thought listening to the crowd reaction on Raw uh, was really, really interesting. Roman Reigns was getting, and maybe it was just because of the town they were in, I don't know, but Roman Reigns was getting a lot more cheers even without the Shield than he was getting before the Shield. And uh, Miz, did you hear the reaction that the Miz's theme song got? Cheers, 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 cheers. The Miz, when he gets back from filming The Marine, has got to do something very bad guy-ish because otherwise people are going to start cheering him because he is just so, so good. Um, you know, I, I thought that the Kane and Braun Strowman stuff was a little bit been there, done that, you know, as it was a little bit like, okay, yeah, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to see, see, I don't, I don't, it doesn't sit that well with me watching Kane beat Finn Balor on a regular basis just so we can watch Braun Strowman beat up Kane on a regular basis. I don't think it adds anything to Kane. Like, we don't have to be reminded that he can beat people. He's kind of gained that notoriety in the years. Like, Kane never has to reestablish himself. Just showing up again, it's like, oh, cool, Kane's back. So, you know, kicking the crap out of Finn Balor doesn't really do anything for Kane 
especially since, you know, every week on Raw now, it's just Braun Strowman comes out and, and beats him up. And I guess last week Kane beat him up, but like, he put him through the ring, he left him laying this week, like, at, uh, at what point are we done? Also, I'm confused as to where this Kane thing is going. I can't imagine that it's going to last all the way to the Royal Rumble. There's no Raw pay-per-view between now and the Royal Rumble. So, I thought that at the Royal Rumble we were going to see a Triple H Braun Strowman match. I still, I still kind of think that we will. I think that that's where it's going. But, I don't know where the, where the payoff comes uh, with Kane. Um, I see somebody saying that he thought that the uh, tease of broken Matt Hardy had a poor re- reaction. Well, I think that the only reason that the crowd was a little bit lackluster when, when Matt started teasing broken Matt was because it's been a long time. And more importantly, the real reason was because we've kind of hinted at Broken Matt for the entire, since WrestleMania, since March or April, we've been hinting at Broken Matt. Like that delete, delete, delete thing, that wasn't the first time we've seen that. It it was the first time we've seen it repeatedly, but it wasn't the first time that he's like made reference to delete. It wasn't the first time that he slipped into the Broken Matt character in promos. I think that, that in order for broken Matt to really get a reaction, he's really going to have to morph into this character. And they were laying it on thick on Raw. Like, they were like, "Did are we seeing the beginning of a breakdown for Matt Hardy? Like, if we're hearing that, I would imagine that we are seeing some kind of broken Matt Hardy, which is good on for two reasons. Number one, I love broken Matt. Hey, you could go back at one of the, I think the first podcast that Broken Matt did as Broken Matt was this one. You can find it in uh, in the back catalog of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And because it meant Bray Wyatt got a win. And whenever Bray Wyatt gets a win, I'm in favor of it. I think it's a good thing. Um, it's ironic that the reason the original Broken character was a result of Jeff being injured, and now the same thing is happening in WWE. Yeah, it really is. I mean... And and Dino says that the broken Matt ship has sailed. They waited too long. It's possible. I hope not. I don't think so. I think Matt Hardy uh, deserves a lot more credit than people give him for being uh, having an, an amazing brain for wrestling. Um, and I think that that he won't just redo broken Matt Hardy and expect that everybody's just been sitting there with bated breath waiting for eight months for this thing to come back. I think that. He'll, he'll change it up a little bit to try to recapture some of that magic. But it is interesting. It feels like the trick to seeing broken Matt Hardy wrestling is, is his brother being injured. Who knew? Who knew? Well, you know what? You get lemons, you make lemonade. That's what you do. Uh, what else happened? Uh, uh, I thought Elias had a great match, but I think Elias is great. I think he's severely underrated. Um... And I think he's just awesome. I really think he's awesome. And I like the idea of Samoa Joe as Braun Strow- as, as Roman Reigns' opponent. And I think that that's interesting. The two Samoan Joes. I think that, uh, I think that, that, could, be, I think that, that could be cool. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who Broken Matt ends up uh, uh, having a rivalry with. Maybe Bray. You know, I, I, Sister Abigail versus Pumpkin Spice Finn Balor. Demon Pumpkin Spice Demon Spice is... I, the, the broken Matt versus Bray Wyatt is a better pairing, I think, for both guys. So we'll see about that. Um, over on the SmackDown side, I, I we talked about it last week, and I talked about it with Wade Keller on his podcast last week, but it's clear that they're building tension between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, and I think they're doing it really, really well. They're, they're kind of building a nice, long uh, story arc there. Uh, you have got to give props 
to that to what what AJ Styles did with the Singh brothers, the 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 uh, uh, Styles clash off the top rope onto the other gender head. Like that's difficult to do without hurting anybody. And I just thought it looked cool. I it, it was it was amazing. We should talk about the women. Somebody's saying I want Sasha Banks heel. I don't think that Sasha Banks is going to turn heel anytime soon because we got we got bad guy women. We got six of them across two separate rosters. We've got uh, we've got the Riot Squad, right? And we've got Absolution. When the Riot Squad announced themselves as the Riot Squad and didn't just announce themselves also as Absolution, it, it's just that little thing. If they had just said, we're Absolution, and you realize like, oh my God, Absolution has infected both brands, then you're like, it's like goosebumps. You're like, oh my God, that's awesome. But when it's just two squads of women that are just kind of the same thing on different brands, you're like, what? I, what? And it sucks for the Riot Squad because I love the people that are in it. I think all three women are awesome in the Riot Squad, and I'm really happy all three are on SmackDown. But because Monday comes before Tuesday, every episode of SmackDown, the last two, and I think it's going to continue, are going to feel like the Riot Squad is a rehash of what we saw last night. Because they look the same, because their motives are the same, because it, it's all, you know, we went from uh, an invasion on Raw, an invasion on SmackDown. A six-woman tag on Raw that has a schmoz, a six-person tag on SmackDown that has a schmoz. You know, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what the end game to doing the same thing on both shows is. You know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And it would be a little thing, calling them both absolution um, would be your answer to me. To me, that's 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 how you get there, and I think everybody. I think uh, my I absolution. The name is a little better, and it, the the trio is better only because Paige is so much more experienced. Right, Paige is is really good. I think as far as delivering promos go, Sonya Deville. Her look is awesome, and it feels modern, and you don't have anything like that. And I was looking at Mandy Rose, and somebody emailed me about. Mandy Rose and what I thought of her. Um, I think she's amazing. And I think she's so much more than your first reaction. Because your first reaction is just like, oh, cool. It's like uh, bombshell hot blonde, right? But then like you look at her physique and the way she stands and like you see her muscles and stuff and you realize that she's like, she looks like a power lifter. And they've never had Somebody that looks like like just like that they're they're that muscular and that hot at the same time like it, it's just it, it's a very appealing combination. It, it's not it, it it it's not something that you see. It's different, and difference always good. It's just not and and I think that 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 she has a ton of potential. You know, I think if she can get if she can do well in the ring, we haven't seen a full fledged match in a WWE ring with her yet. We saw him in NXT. She's good, and we saw him on Tough Enough. And, like, you know, I think that everybody was rooting for her on Tough Enough because she seemed like she really wanted it. And I, I, I have I have high hopes. And I think that the three on, on SmackDown are amazing. You know, this has been a long time coming for Liv Morgan. She's been in NXT forever and has really been working on this. I would change the music 
I think that the, the, I get why it's punk because it's Ruby Riot. She's the leader and it's the Riot Squad and that's all good, but it sounds happy. It sounds like pop punk. It sounds like a, like a, a, a version of like a simple plan with no lyrics in it. Like it doesn't sound bad, like, like bad guys. It doesn't sound like people that are there to, uh, to, to put Naomi in the hospital, you know, just a little more grit to it, a little less happy. And I think it would go a long way, but it's really, it's really kind of, kind of simple you know it's just call them the same name if you call them the same name eventually you could maybe figure out one leader that's behind both factions but that's you could you could pull a wrestling move on that one figure it out later don't worry about all that right now but if you call them different names one is copying the other or you're just doing the same thing on both shows if you call them the same name well then now you've got one faction, you know, invading. But I, I just think it's 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 a no-brainer to me. Uh, I see one suggestion here from John's: take two hundred five off and make an exclusive women's show. I think that that would start to confuse the brands. Like if you're going to put women on Raw and SmackDown, you can't then also have them on their own separate show because then you could have story. You could have like a storyline between Charlotte and uh, uh, Mickey James on the exclusive women's show, and then you get to SmackDown, and Charlotte is talking about Mickey James, and you're like, but Mickey James is on Raw. It just would get way too confusing. It'd get way too confusing. And I see somebody bringing up Dana Brooke. I think, I think, you know, I think Mandy Rose might be what they wanted when they got Dana Brooke, to tell you the truth. You know, and no, 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 not, not trying to throw shade at Dana Brooke. I think she's great, but I think Mandy Rose pops off the TV screen a little bit differently. Uh, Nikki Cross be the leader of both teams and have a massive women's stable. I don't mind. I think Nikki Cross would be a great leader of both teams. But again, figure that out later. You don't even need that answer right now. Who cares? Who cares who the leader is? Just get them both to be one team. And that way you don't have to worry about about how any of it makes sense. Uh, What's with the extra T, asks Sean Weber. I would imagine that they added an extra T for some kind of copyright reason, but I have no no actual idea. Um, All right. This has been Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, uh, it's always fun. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of, of the Wrestling Podcast live on Facebook, uh, all you have to do is uh, click like on facebook.com slash notsam and uh, be around on Wednesday afternoon. And at some point, I'll pop up and I'll do it live on Facebook. If you don't want to do it on Facebook, that's fine. We're out every Thursday morning. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, whatever your podcast medium of choice is. Subscribe there, and we will be back next week with an all-new Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Until then, toodaloo. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.